0: hi everyone and welcome to another episode of failure Friday it has been a minute I have been focusing on family and work so this is the first one I've done in probably three to four weeks and it feels so good to be back here with lighting and cameras and a computer and a guest Uh, today we have Ohan we are Instagram friends I've never met him in person he's the first person I've ever had on that does what I do So this is hopefully going to be educational for me as well, because he has something that I'm kind of on the fence about getting. So we're going to kind of go into that uh, tonight. Ohan is a doctor of economics and a certified financial planner. He founded OhanTheMoneyDoctor.com with the goal of breaking down the complexity of money so that beginner investors can invest with confidence. And his bio, you have to forgive me Ohan. It was a little bit longer and I was like, got to hold the attention like so, I, like, I skimmed it a little bit but if you want to know more about Ohan his brand what he does and his niche we are going to tag him um, his website the one thing I loved about your website is it's simple we're redoing my website right now and trying to find other financial advisors or CFPs or wealth managers to kind of copy from but it seems like every website I go on is just way too much shit it's just way too much, stuff that they're not using, no one's looking through, and just something clean, useful, to the point, and yours is the first one I've ever seen, and I've looked at dozens over the last several months, so we can go into that as well. Uh, Ohan today would like to talk about his CFP, which is interest- interestingly enough, uh, something that I've completed all the education requirements for. I did that three years ago and I got I finished my capstone and it was time to sit and take the test and I was nine months pregnant with my first child And I was, and but when I started studying for the CFP and getting all of that stuff done I was like this is perfect I'll be pregnant then I can take it right before I have the baby because work will be slow preparing for maternity leave no I did not I didn't do it I couldn't I was at this crossroads and I don't know if it's the psychology of the situation and me talking myself out of it, but I looked at my practice and it was growing and I was making good money and I was helping people and I was reading all of the resources that you would if you were a CFP. I would just done the education requirements and in my mind I was like, do I even really need this? I mean, it is. So for those that don't know, a lot of financial professionals follow me. A lot of investors follow me. The CFP is the gold standard of our industry. It's the most widely recognized by retail consumers like yourself who are probably watching this, that you know what you're talking about. A lot of people just search for CFPs. And then there's other people who just don't care. They just want someone they trust that they feel comfortable with. So I'm curious throughout this conversation to see how that has changed your practice. Part of the reason I shied away from taking the CFP was the fear of not passing it at such a pivotal time having my first child I, I just couldn't i knew mentally i was not in a place to to get that you did not pass at the end of the electronic exam so kind of walk me through that what what motivated you to even get the cfp
1: Kendall, first and foremost thank you for having me in this, oh, my pleasure uh, podcast and hello everyone who is listening to us who will listen to the recording and um, so uh, and and you are doing great with the introduction and everything so um cfp uh, f- first let me a little bit uh, about myself i came to united states on 2009 and the reason I mentioned these. I learned English in United States. The main reason I wanted to come to United States to learn English. Then I came to United States. I realized nobody speaks English in United States. Everyone speaks <laughs> in their way. <laughs> so Armenians speak their way, Chinese their way, Russians their way. So everyone speaks in their way. So, but uh, after uh, six, seven months, especially when I started working with a major bank, I became as a cashier as a teller and literally like when people come and like, can you break this hundred dollar for me? I didn't know what means breaking a bill. I know you can break a window, you can break a glass, but what means break a bill? So I need to learn everything from the beginning when it comes to pennies, nickels, quarters, all these terminology. And I realized it can be real confusing. So when I became a tailor, uh, after some time, I became a personal banker. I got my first securities license, CIDA 6 and CIDA 63 after, also life insurance. I realized that there is more I can do. So then I passed my CDS 7, I became a private banker in retail bank, which was the highest level bank officer at that time. But I realized that experience is not still enough. I need to do something more. That was the time i went to ucla here in los angeles and i studied for personal financial planner certificate program which is a prerequisite for cfp exam so you need to take that which you did by the way and congratulations you did the hardest and the most important part so you have the knowledge we just need to encourage you this episode for you to go to take the exam because take you exam. have experience I I, 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 I I learn you, you compliment my Instagram. So let me just jump really, really quick there that I learn a lot from your post. You put a real stuff that people don't think about. And sometimes it is late, so they better start early. So today you have a great post about Wiggles. This is something CFP season is like and I like Kendall is the one who puts all this valuable information there. So when I went to UCLA, they told me I need to have at least bachelor's degree, which is a requirement. So I like mine as well. I'll evaluate all my, all my diplomas from back home. So I got my bachelor's and master's in engineering. Then I have some. Wow. people. So yes, people they're always surprised when they hear me working in the bank and I have engineering degree, and then I got what it called back Soviet Union countries, candidate of science in economics. Which get translated and got I got the equivalency in Doctor of Economics in United States, so they gave me my PhD. That
0: transferred.
1: They transferred. Interestingly enough and surprisingly to me, so I go to my CAP exam after two years studying and everything, and I do uh, and I'm I'm scared of um, two major areas. And you you studied, so you will understand what I mean. One is taxes. I like, that's the hardest part to do the taxes. taxes. And the second one was the investments. I like, there can be some tricky questions on investment with all these formulas and everything. So I go, I sit for the exam, I finish the exam, and I'm doing it with my best friend, my buddy, whom I met in United States. We worked together in the bank. And by the way, we are both our immigrants in United States. So I come outside and he's like, hey, how was that? And I like. I didn't pass. I failed. He's like, you are joking. I like, no man. I, I I really failed. He did pass from the first try. He's like, I cannot believe. Like we we studied together. We got the grades and everything. I like, I I somehow failed. And I get the diagnostics right at CFP exam uh, in ProMetrics, which is some company that manages the exam. And I see the diagnostics and I realize that I pass taxes, I pass investments, I pass estate planning, retirement. What I didn't pass was ethics part, which I never paid so hard attention to. And I'm, I'm sorry, someone probably was ringing. So I didn't pass the ethics part. And the reason I didn't pass the ethics part, it was more of a, like verbiage. Like, like verbs game you know like words words game so anyway make a long story short anyone would have just uh, in my opinion majority would have get disappointed especially like no it is not meant meant it is not meant for me i'm not um, i'm not meant for CFP, this is not my language this is not my country but i'm citizen of the united states so i like i need to make this happen so i went and i studied for 3 more months because you wow, can take a long time because you can take the exam only on certain windows that CFP board gives you. So when I went to study this second for for second exam, what I realized in my opinion I overdid. So I was doing 85 questions every day. But I I, uh, I bring it to 25. So I did 25 questions every day, just a practice exam. And that's all i did and i went and i passed the exam but when i didn't pass the first time i was shocked myself my parents like and i didn't want to talk about me too much but they got uh, surprised that i didn't pass an exam because i graduated from all my universities with diploma with honorary they call it diploma with honorary i believe honorary uh, honors yeah honors Diploma with honors. That's exactly right, Kendall. So I was so much surprised that my friend who passed, he wants to go to celebrate. They're like, of course I'll join you. We go have some lunch. It was
0: Oh no. The day it I asked. would not. I would have gone home and slept because I, I know you were working on like three hours of sleep that day.
1: Correct. And the you know it's like <laughs> 170, if I'm not mistaken, seventy-five questions. So always they say it is a it is a long river. You need to know everything in that river, but it is not- Why don't you go into
0: that? Go into what the test is made up of, because I don't think people are familiar with what, what is the different sections.
1: Got it. So the text, interesting. I'll, I'll talk about an abbreviation called retire. So R stands for risk, AKA insurance. Second E stands for expenses so income and expenses. The T stands for taxes. We are going by retire acronym, T for taxes. I is for investments. The second R is for retirement. The last E is for estate planning. So these are the areas that uh, CFP board covers, plus they cover ethics, they call it the um, um ethics and I, I believe like um, ma- ma- mainly ethics right now it, it uh, just like blind spot a little bit but ethics and recently a year ago they added something uh, in, in regards psychology so money psychology which is very important. Really? What- So yeah i wanted to mention what was the year you were studying what was the year you were studying
0: so my daughter's three she was born in 2019 so it would have been the first half of 2019 or the second half of 2009 yeah no this the second half of of 2018 she was born in february when i started and did all of the coursework
1: interesting i wasn't in there we started together I passed my exam on 2020, so if you did at that time, you would have not done the psychology portion, which was added only last year. So now ethics and that. standards, standard was the word, the standards, standards of conduct, you know?
0: Oh, yes, okay.
1: So the verbiage is like, like if you, if you you are in industry, so you know there is something called CIDA 65, they always tell in the industry that attorneys wrote that test, so the words are on. Uh, I just took understand. it. You did! Congratulations.
0: I just took the 65, and um, man, it's been a while since I've taken those exams. Cause I got I got I got registered with the seven, uh, 66, and, or which is the 63 and the 65, the 66. I did that when I was 20 years old, and then come having to come back and take the 65 at almost 30. Oh my gosh, that was so hard. So the CFP is even longer and. Sh-
1: you, you, you are deaths. still young, first and foremost, and you can do anything you want to do. And that's the reason I came to talk about this. Because at that moment, and it's COVID times, rem- remember that. Like it's 2020, I got my... So it's pre-COVID, but COVID started already. Like in the world, they are talking and everything. And uh, I could have just get uh, quit. And just like oh, I'll go be be a banker, but I like no, I need to sit for the second time, and I realized that yeah. So so when we went to lunch that day when I uh, failed, we go inside and I'm trying to close my car with the remote, and I see it is not closing. I go and I see I have my car, I kept it turned on. I didn't even turn off my car. I was so much under this, like shock, how Ohan didn't pass the exam, but it comes out. That second time going for the exam, I learned more. I did a crash course, which is only for four days. So I went to that crash course and I realized like so many things fall in place, like the puzzle itself. If I did it on the first time, I would have had the designation three months prior to that, but I would have not have the knowledge that I had at that moment when I passed the exam. Of course, if you don't use something, you don't read about it, you don't keep up, sometimes you forget about it, it gets forgotten. But first time ever after getting my CFP, I was able to start reading books. They are not according to syllabus in school. So that is the time when I got introduced to index funds, which is I read the book by Jack Bogle. Mm-hmm. Small book, of, yes, uh, and a uh, small book uh, uh, from Jack Bogle and also um, Random Walk Down the Wall Street by Burton Merkel.
0: Those are when classics.
1: I, this, these are classics. So I'm reading this now after getting my CFP, and I'm like, did it really work doing CFP? Because everything is simpler than we think. <laughs> Everything is simpler that you think as Warren Buffett always mentioned and it's everywhere in the social media for middle class index fund will be something enough. Like he put It's in, so
0: accessible. It's so of, accessible,
1: especially now. And, I mean,
0: that's, that's where, so this is a, this is a touchy subject for this because <laughs> people, I think there's this air in our culture that you know the more complicated we make things the smarter we are or the uh, for farther ahead but I mean if you don't have a professional on your side and you really don't need one I when I am talking to prospects specifically through Dave Ramsey because I get a lot of referrals from Dave Ramsey and there's a lot of people that are like oh I'm just starting out I'm like you don't need to hire me I can I'll I will tell you what When you're just starting out, save the money, like, I will tell you what to do, maybe do a financial plan and I'll show you based on your level of risk what you need to do, but it does not, you're right, it does not need to be overcomplicated.
1: And guess what, I'll just um, mention a quote, I don't know who said this, but everything genius is simple. So, and and by the way, we can talk about Dave Ramsey and the approach because I have it uh, in my mind when I talk about like what I created in regards the guide. So anyway, I I, I got introduced to index funds. And then I'm realizing that as you mentioned, if you don't have complex estate, your estate is not more than 11 million nowadays. If you are joint 22 million, certain things you can do yourself. Like today you put, you post about wheels will is something important regardless of how much money you have so if you have, important if you have kids you need to have wills because god forbid something can can happen to you in in some cases they are single parents or god forbid both parents can get in some type of accident or something again like God forbid and kids will left without parents and then relatives will start fighting husbands, sister brother wife sister brother cousins neighbors but if you have a will you can appoint a guardian for your kid and the, and, and it is easier to do but always I mentioned like everything we talk here is of course for educational purposes always ask uh, uh, an account um, an attorney estate attorney. Oh, like, good
0: point. Yeah. None of this can be construed as investment advice, uh, tax advice. Yeah. I have to make that perfectly clear because you're not going to get me in trouble with the SEC.
1: None. We, we don't want trouble that. with anyone. We we, ha- we don't have our billions yet to fight the SEC.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you need more than billions at this point. I don't even think that, that matters. Yeah, yeah.
1: The guy is trillion, I believe, approaching and still fighting with the SEC all the time.
0: When, How far in your career were you when you got the CFP?
1: So I started with a company called Finca, which was the the reason I mentioned they are not that well known, but they are headquartered in Washington DC. But I worked back home and I was doing, uh, I, I was a loan officer. I was lending money to small and medium enterprises. That was 2006. Then after a year and a half, I started working with Frankfurt School of Finance and Management. Frankfurt School of Finance and Management and I was doing mortgage underwriting for them. That was the MBS time, mortgage-backed securities. So I was mm-hmm. making sure that the uh, loans that banks giving out to consumers are in accordance to minimum quality standards so we can get more funding for the banks to lend it out as mortgages. Then when I won a green card, which is interesting enough if your listeners are not aware of, Department of State does something called Green Card Lottery. They call diversity visa. So I applied for green card because I wanted to learn English. I like that would be nice to visit the United States. So I got my green card. When I got my green card, I like if I don't take this, maybe all my life I will wish and never be able to come to United. I wonder. Yes. So I came to United States. I came to United States. I did a little bit customer service job to get cash handling experience. Then I got a job in the bank. So overall, like my education, when it comes to my PhD, my thesis was about investment management. So I was aware of investment. But in the meantime, when I came to United States, I see 401k, 403b, IRA, ROFIRA, traditional IRA, HSA account, 529 plan. I'm like, this is confusing. It's different. It's different. And imagine like us being in the industry, I need to go and check. I need to go to check from my IRS webpage. I need to go to check CFP has lots of resources. I, I need to go check something before I talk to a client. Imagine for someone who don't have financial background, how hard this will be. When you- co-
0: Oh, oh I so the crash course you did, was it Ken Yes. I had a feeling, because I did the crash course with Ken too. And there was people in that crash course
1: Excuse, you know, excuse me, what is Kenzon? I I I I, I thought about crash course in the guard CFP. What is Kenzon?
0: So Kenzon is a very, very popular four-day crash course.
1: I'm gonna write them now. For on. the
0: CFP, it's which on. I assumed uh-huh. you were talking about.
1: But I did that's that. the crash course. I'm not sure which, should I do? mention their name, but I did with Kaplan. You can cut the Oh yeah,
0: no, it doesn't matter. Yep. I was gonna mm-hmm. ask you who you who you studied with and who you recommended. I used Kaplan, I used Past Perfect for the 65 and then hated it and then switched to Kaplan a week before the test, and I'm so glad I did. But you'll find if you're studying for these licenses that different companies are better have better materials for different tests. So it's really important that you do your research before you spend the money on your prep that you're getting the right materials for that test. So like, for example, Pass Perfect was great for my 66. Trash for the 65, and those are similar tests. Um, For the CFP, I heard Kaplan is pretty good. Granted, that was, you know, three years ago. Um, But the reason I was was asking about the crash course as it pertained to what you were just saying is there's people in my crash course and for those that don't know, to use your CFP, like to put it after your name and to make it look all cool and professional, you have to have five years, right? Five years of industry experience.
1: Minimum. Uh, unless... There was kids. Unless, uh, sorry for interrupting, for CPAs and attorneys, sometimes the course came uh, and the experience can be waived and they just go sit for the exam, something like that. Yes.
0: Yeah, I've, i heard of that. But there was kids in my crash course who were taking the CFP who were still in college because you can pass the test and then get the CFP, you just can't use it for five years. That blew my mind. Because I'm like, how how can you, you can pass a test, anyone can memorize a book if they study enough, but you have experience. no experience, none. I mean, that's so, In anything you do, experience is, Crucial, crucial. Yes. So for you, you're saying that's what you felt. You, you were studying, you had, you know, a doctorate Did in you. your country
1: mm-hmm.
0: or yeah, a PhD. And you come here and you're just like, I need, this is great more. and all, but I need
1: more. more. I need paper from United States. I like, uh, this is the greatest country with all the pros and cons, but I need to show my, my current customers and also my potential customers that I took my time to get qualification in United States as well. And the uh, one thing I want to mention, especially uh, the listeners you have, I know they are very diverse. When you do your homework to pick a school to study for CFP, check to see certain uh, organizations, certain schools, they give discounts to female uh applicants bec- because in industry male are predominantly uh, male are uh, the CFP, so we need to break this gap as well but the reason being i'll be honest like uh, we, we everyone uh, sees the same problem issue it can be financial it can be life different you know and we need to have this difference in regards when it comes to genders as well and we need to make sure that Uh, the client is comfortable working for with with certain individuals. So make sure you do your homework and um, I'm happy being part of CAP. Of course, it comes with additional continuation, education requirements and everything which cover one to another. But as of this moment, I'm not uh, actively licensed uh, and my, my license in a sense there there is a program with finra and i don't want to talk a lot about these regulations but there is a program with finra where you can keep your licenses for five years without being associated with a firm so i'm doing that the reason being i don't want to have any conflict so i can talk anything i want to talk not to be in trouble with different agencies so that's how uh, my cfp journey have been i'm i'm happy all the all the times of the breaks we're playing Tennis. That that was another advantage UCLA had. Like, we mm-hmm. were next to we were next to the law school, and law school has these fancy tables. We, we sometimes we were playing tennis, but overall, a very important part are the professors, and it was pre-COVID, so I was in person after six thirty. Oh,
0: that's so nice
1: yes i'll be honest with you like what i learned from individuals experiences like they were in their probably 60s and 70s the professors which they didn't like us to call them professors i learned more than i would have learned from books from their experience the way that they explain something it was more beneficial for me versus like learning from a book
0: so I think that that was a handicap that I experienced, and this is it's going to be different for everyone, but mm-hmm. I do not do well with online school. I am so glad COVID happened when I was out of school, because that's where my CFP was. I was taking classes with Emory for my CFP, and it was all online, and I hated it. I mean, I, I don't fit the classes. You know, you couldn't, you, know, you can't raise your hand. You know, I couldn't sit in the front.
1: you know and then like I'm dozing I'm
0: like nine months pregnant like dozing off and be like oh wait you gotta rewind rewind 45 seconds like that's what I mean that's a blessing that you got to do it in person
1: and you need to take it easy because some people overthink as in everything in life we had a professor if he ever listens this he will understand I'm talking about him but he came and he's like I was standing in the line when I went to do my CFP exam and I see these guys reading the last minutes and stuff. I like, no, I cannot stand next to you. I need to go. I, I agree I can stand couple people back, but I cannot be around you because you are already freaking out. I'm not, I'm sorry to use that <laughs> but you cannot just like be, be stressed, you know, like no, you need to take it easy and you don't need to know everything hundred percent as long as you know at least 80%. Because what will happen? You will put an appointment, go do your homework, come back to your appointment after after a week, and you are the specialist that no one will ever doubt that you know this or you just learned this. Because you just need to know the big concepts. When it comes I to- t- I
0: tell this, yes, this is important because I think that a lot of people, ex- there is a misconception. For me, if I'm hiring someone, I don't want them to have all the answers. I want to trust that if they don't know something, one, they're gonna tell me, and two, they're gonna go do the extra work to figure it out. And that's what, I mean, like these tests, I mean, you've taken many of them, you memorize them and then you leave and you forget 60% of it. The only way you're gonna remember it is with your using, you're applying it to what you do every day.
1: There is a, there is a famous brain um expert he calls himself uh, jim quick and he always talks about how much our memory retains the information we are reading we are listening and the ratios are different you know sometimes like we don't uh, remember almost 80 percent so in some cases even more of the information that we learn and then you start doing some case studies then you start learning like new new concepts you go back check like what is there can be some complications, but uh, maybe I take the conversation towards like the simplicity. So I realized like it's really easy to start um, taking control of your money. Or if, or if you don't like the word control, let's call it like manage your money, handle your money. So you start with your income statement or I call it cash flow. Because in the end of the day, and I'm talking this more of like for our listeners, if they are interested, you need to find out you have a surplus or you have a deficit. And so you need to do budget. And I know I need to be careful with using the word budget because some people listen budget, like Dave Ramsey talks about it. And some people will tell like budget is restricting. I don't want to do budget. United States is a big country and their budget is on deficit. This is part of it. <laughs> but I don't want to do budget. So I switched the word with spending plan. I like what we do spending plan for you, so you know where your dollars are going. The end of, in the, and the in the end of the month, when you see you have a surplus, good thing. So you can have, so you have some money, you can start saving and investing. And if you have a deficit, majority of the cases, again, we'll, uh, we'll remember Dave Ramsey now third time, but it will be a debt. So it will be some high interest credit card. It will be some car loan who got not having credit, maybe double digit, which is nowadays car car rates and any rates is high, but they will have these high rates and then they will think like, why I have the deficit? But then there are two approaches, as you know, our listeners probably majority know, Snowball and Avalanche. And Snowball is Dave Ramsey's favorite one because he's telling like, finance is about numbers, but you don't know numbers. That's why you are here. And numbers are not necessarily like, Clicking with you, so you do uh, snowball because 80% of finance is psychology, only 20% is numbers. Then you start with the small amount, you start paying it, then you go to the second after the small one, versus like the most cost efficient way is debt avalanche. If you know the numbers and you have the discipline, start with the higher interest rate. So I give these options to my followers, to my friends, and explain the difference just to see what is familiar to your nature. as, as, as more of a like psychology, more of a like money mindset. Then you approach that, you figure out like, what is your budgeting situation? And then pretty much after it, you start saving and saving. People think like one day when I have lots of money, when I have lots of money, I'll start saving. But again, it comes to money beliefs, money mindset. You can save 10% of whatever you are making right now. So when tomorrow you make more, your 10% will increase because you are making more, but you you save. And sometimes I call my listeners, I don't want you guys to save. And they're like, what do you mean? You are personal finance expert. You call yourself a coach <laughs> and you are telling us not to save. I'm like, yes, because you save in the bank, you lose money because of the inflation. So you need to invest. That's the big difference maker in your life. Of course, like your emergency fund, you need to keep in saving account accessible. You cannot risk it to put in the in in in, in stock market, in, in investments. But in the meantime, you don't put it under the mattress either. You know, you put in the saving account. Yeah. And then you do 1000 for the first like goal. Like, let me have at least 1000 saved. Then you increase it to your first month expenses. Then your second month, third month, until the sixth month. Then when you have that, you are transferring to investment life
0: yes you
1: start yes. investing and of the course issues when I,
0: I see is people want to want to cut that they they want to like okay well i have i have two months let's start investing now i'm like there's that's dangerous you want to explain why that's dangerous
1: the danger comes that uh, let's say god forbid again i'm i'm using uh, very unfortunate situations but someone got a car accident or someone goes to hospital and now they need to instead of doing American way and running to credit cards, they should go and take it out from their emergency fund. And let's assume they have their emergency fund in stock market on real or in real estate or cryptocurrency or NFT, which I'm not uh, familiar with them. But the risky investments, very possible at that moment, are down. Like right now, from the beginning of the year 2022, the stock market is over 20% down. So it will be harder for you to take the money out because you're gonna get some losses to report. Then there are some tough situation involved versus in your saving account, that's like accessible any moment you go to your bank, you will take out the money, go repair your car, or God forbid you have unexpected bill to pay or you lose your job. Versus in stock market, again, there is a chance of that it is not the right time for you to take it out. And it's very important point you make, Candle, because people listen by like, yeah, I want to invest. Just trust me, believe me. My friend, my family, my uh, co worker told me about this great thing. If I listen like friend, family, and they are not whatsoever, like they don't have their uh, net worth in place to give you an advice, then I'm telling you just stay away. This sounds to me get rich quick. Skin, scam, skin, scam, skin. skin, skin. <laughs> So okay, wait. That's the <laughs> worst thing. Like we are financial, like people, like in Instagram, daily. How many direct messages you are getting with some offers? Oh my god! OX, crypto. And oh everything. my
0: god! It blows my mind.
1: I can't imagine how many
0: people message me on a daily, on a daily basis about Who are that. you
1: messaging? And-
0: It makes me more mad when people message me about Forex because Forex is actually it's the biggest, the Forex is bigger than the stock market. Forex is the biggest market and it has the most scammers and it just breaks my heart because it's that's such if you and I'm not even very well versed in the Forex market, but that is a talent if you are. So I mean, it just that like the day trader,
1: like any and like any profession, yeah so it it it, it takes me to the place where like you you have a hammer money i think it's an instrument like a hammer you know like with a hammer you can do so much damage you can break windows you can break cars you can break houses but in the meantime with hammer you can build cars and houses so you need to know how to use the hammer so you need to have the experience the same approach it comes to money and when you have hundred dollar bill and you put on the table, you come back after ten years and the table is there, and nobody stole that hundred dollar. That hundred dollar still sits there because nobody used that tool. Versus if you put the tool to work, the way that you you are informed. I always tell my followers and everyone: invest in when you are investing in something, make sure you do your homework. You understand what you are investing. If you don't understand. And you have good feelings which by the way you you don't need to go with feelings when it comes to money don't invest more than five percent or at least the amount that you are okay to lose but today we see lots of people they invested in cryptocurrency or nfts without even understanding they lost it and then there is this meme going around all around internet that um, mcdonald's is hiring Crypto Bros. <laughs> right, so.
0: I've seen that. And she the smile. reason I was smiling earlier is because your Hammer reference, I use fire. Because fire. fire can burn down buildings, it but it can also barbecue, fuel. Huh? fuel. It, that, that's another, but it's fuel. <laughs> it's fuel, it gives you light. Um, yes. So that was interesting. I've never heard Lights. Hammer in my use that one. No, but li-
1: I use more uh, more philosophical and more nice. Thank you. I'm going to No, yeah, it, you it, you can take the fire. Okay. I'll I'll use the <laughs> hammer.
0: But yeah, but to speak to your to your point, and I this I'm going through this whole uh, this is so this is the first time in my career as an adult, as a licensed professional. This is my first recession that we're going into. I you can read as many books, you can study as many periodicals or papers about recessions and bear markets. Nothing to, back to the experience conversation. Nothing is equivalent to actually going through it, owning a business in it, uh, investing other people's money in it. And it's fascinating to me because we're in the industry, so we understand the concept of a market cycle. We understand that these things happen about every 10 to 15 years. We understand that, yeah, things have happened that might've made it come quicker or made it worse, but this was gonna happen soon anyway. We've been in a bull market for a very, very long time in this country. And I'm just having these conversations with people who are twice my age, who are like, you know, the market's tanking. Um, You know, I want to take everything out. I'm like, right now, I I, I use the 2008, 2009 reference when you when you got here. If you had cash, if you're talking to me right now and and we're having a conversation, if you had cash in 2008, 2009, even 2010 or 2011, You would have had so much power. You would have had so much power. Guess what, people, we're here. We're here again. We're next year, the end of this year and next year, if you have cash, now's the time to look for opportunity. I know it's scary. I know that there's, like you said, it's emotional. But this is what builds long-term wealth, is people who, Either have a trusted professional on their side, or who who take the initiative to educate themselves. This, the next steps you take over the next 12 to 18 months, are what's going to compound rapidly over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. People, this is the time where if you have cash, you should. Cash is yes, inflation is terrible, um, but use, you have got to keep your emergency fund there. I mean, that's non-negotiable. Like that's not even, I don't even take on clients unless they have at least three months of non-discretionary expenses in cash, but you have to be willing to separate emotion and reason like you have to. And that's, that's the interesting thing that's happening in my pack practice right now is convincing people, which is something I could get better at because I'm not the best saleswoman. I Convincing people that no matter who you talk to, this is a time you don't just dump your money into something today. You lean into a recession. You lean into it because no one can time it. I can't time it. He, he has a PhD. Almighty. He can't time it. Almighty. You lean into it. You do a fixed amount every month, every quarter, every week. A fixed amount is called dollar cost averaging. And I promise, I pro- and I'm not even allowed to say promise. Actually, I'm not, let me take that back, I don't promise. I'm pretty sure in <laughs> five to 10 years, you're going to be really happy with that decision. Great. Do you agree?
1: I agree, and uh, these are like great gems, I guess, they call it like the precious um, stone, like a diamond you are giving to our listeners. And I agree with every point that you made. And I just want to summarize and add some stuff with your permission, if it is okay. Go ahead. So recessions are the best time when money is created, when people, the most millionaires and billionaires got made during the recessional times, when the economy is in recession, in recessionary economy times. Why? Because all the assets are on discount. So if you are, again, I will, um mm, quote or paraphrase in this case because i don't remember exactly how he quoted but warren buffett and he mentions let's say imagine you are someone who likes buying burgers and you eat burgers for you it will be better if the meat price goes down or meat price goes up and the meat lover right away answers like i want the meat price go down so i can buy cheaper burgers he says the only part when it works opposite and people's mind against psychology mindset works opposite. When it comes to stock market, we always want stock market to go up. But when it goes down, we get, again, like scared. We, we, we want to sell out, but people who sell, they are the ones who lose. People who, who are there and they know they cannot time the market. As you mentioned, they are the winners. Because now by doing dollar cost averaging, as you mentioned, you are getting more shares for the exactly same amount of dollar that you are investing. Same, your, your same hundred dollar or thousand dollar buy more shares of Apple, Facebook, Costco, and all other companies that you like. So during the recession, the most millionaires got uh, created and billionaires. And the interesting, now majority of them are self-made. Again, um, paraphrasing Dave Ramsey's uh, research. And then uh, second thing I wrote down, I wanted to uh, talk about America overall. So in America, everyone should be a business owner because this country gives an opportunity to be a business owner. The tax code is written for business owners. And uh, again, I will mention uh, Robert Kiyosaki with his great book, uh, rich that poor that. he talks about these four quadrants so there is w2 employees who are working for a bank or starbucks and they are getting their paycheck and they are the second uh, group of people who are self-employed but they are barbers they are mechanics they are self-employed so they don't have a bus, but in the meantime they are married to their business to be there all the time and the other quadrant on the right side they are business owners people who are able by using and using the word I'm putting in the brackets because I, I, I don't like the word using, but using other people's talent and other people work for them. These are business owners, real business owners, because businesses like I'm in Europe, but my still my business is work in America or in Singapore or in Latin America. And then the fourth quadrant is investors who just made the switch that money can work for me. And when I mention everyone needs to be a business owner, not necessarily you need to go tomorrow, file a LLC or corporation or DBA and open a business. No, 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 not whatsoever. Just invest already in ready businesses. This country gives you that opportunity. Nowhere else in United, besides United States, maybe Canada, Australia, Great Britain, some European countries that you will be able to invest in stock market. But the great part about America is Kendall mentioned in the beginning as well, it is very much accessible. Right now we can go ahead on our phone, open a um, brokerage account and we can start investing. And we invest, let's say again, not an advice, this educational purposes only. We invest in S&P 500, you have pieces of all that 500 companies. So regardless of you are at home having your dinner, reading book or in vacation or sleeping, McDonald's still working, making money. Everyone from the first cashier until the CEO are working for you. If Apple, you go to Apple, you have an Apple an iPhone or you have a MacBook, you are buying shares of Apple, then you are owner of Apple, regardless of where, wherever you are in the world, 24 seven. Apple works for you. They are selling products and giving you some dividends and plus your stock will go up over time, which is the tendency it shows. Again, I'm not a big fan of picking and choosing. I better have all 500s because I don't know which one is. Tomorrow's Tesla or Sears. Sears is not around anymore. But Sears was part of S&P 500. What I do, I always follow like, to see what are the 10 top companies in S&P 500. And the interesting, now you mentioned about the economical cycle, they are always getting change. 10 companies 10 years ago were totally different. We -hmm. have a company called called General Electric. One moment, the company owned Universal and everything. They've been like behemoth, I I guess they call it. Yes, big, big company. Where are they right now? They are having some trouble. But in the meantime, Sears filed for bankruptcy. So I don't know what will happen to Amazon or Google moving forward. But again, there are tools of minimizing that risk and it calls diversification, diversification. So, so money is pretty simple when you understand it as a tool to feel happy and make sure you enjoy it. I always talk about four important components. components when it comes to managing your life. You need to be, you need to make sure you are mentally healthy. You need to make sure you are physically healthy. You need to make sure that you are spiritually healthy. And then when you have financial health, you will enjoy the life like you are living. And you are not like you in reality living your best life. Because God forbid, imagine someone in bed and they cannot move. They cannot come out of hospital and they have all the money in the world. What is it worth about? So make sure you think outside of the box when it comes to money and in many, many other beliefs that we got uh, inside us embedded from our family, friends, neighbors, you think outside the box. And everything. Oh, I love is- that. That's
0: beautiful. I, I love the, the spiritual health. I think that that is... Um, not talked about enough in our industry because we tend to just focus on the stock market right and money but so much i have a a box of tissues in my office and a lot of my clients are going to watch this and they're going to laugh because there's (laughs) there's literally a box of tissues that i've had for years and it says it's okay to cry because in the first appointment i have the i have a the first appointment the real appointment i have with a client is very long it's about an hour and a half to two hours long and the reason it's that long is because i dive into your emotional relationship with money. How were you raised with money? Did your parents talk about it? Did they not talk about it? And if they're older or if they're my age, are your parents okay? Do you think that they've planned? Because if they haven't, the likelihood is they're gonna become a financial burden to you at some point. And just really diving into that, you realize that people don't associate mental health, spiritual health with their money. They don't, and like, I mean, why would you, right? They don't sound like they'd be correlated at all. It's so important, especially during times like the one we're in right now, where there's a lot of emotions, and if you don't have control over that, you can make a decision with your money that causes a ripple effect for years ahead of you. If you're, I'd I like to tell people, if you're younger than 30, you have time to go broke. You have time to go broke and come back. If you're over 30, you, I mean, your decisions are crucial. Every decision you make with your big decision, I'm talking about like switching your for, the investments in your 401k, cap, taking a loan out of a 401k, um, selling out of investments, making any major change, even switching advisors. I mean, people need to have therapy. <laughs> I mean, I'm that not means. trying to turn this around. Therapy especially if you're just starting an investment journey, especially if you're you know, behind and you're, you're, you're getting your stuff together, you're getting a spending plan done and you're gonna make the sacrifice and you're like, I wanna retire in 10 years, I'm gonna eat beanies and weenies and I'm gonna just save everything I make to ca- get caught up. You need to have your mental health together because man, money and mental health go hand in hand, time and time again, I see it.
1: And neither of us got paid by CFP board. This is not commercial for CFP board whatsoever. But that <laughs> is the reason, in my opinion, CFP added the psychology portion. Because like, as you mentioned, like in majority of the time, the conversations with client is more of like about life, about their approach to life, what's happening with their family, some family dynamics happening. And you need to be psychologically fit and correct to approach them. And that's the conversation, That's therapist you are mentioning, you are more therapist than financial advisor in majority of the time of the meeting. And money is mm-hmm. very emotional when you ask someone how much you make. First, they don't want to answer, it's get kind of offended. But then or, or we say money is cause of all evils, which is not money necessarily. It's love of money and money is just if you, if you are a good person it will bring more good out of you if you are a bad person of course it can bring more bad out of you money is just a tool you are you are using or if someone is rich or wealthy which one day maybe we'll do another episode and we go differences in regards to wealthy and rich when you are wealthy people think like you no know, He or she did something wrong, you know, or something not ethical or incorrect to get all this money. If you have all that beliefs, your subconscious mind will tell you like, you don't need money. You are the most ethical person in the world. You can have lots of credit card debt. You can have lots of like, uh, you you just go work W2, get your 401k, you become 65, you retire. And that's the time when um, we need to think about like how we grow up talking about money and that's um in in my opinion again like we can talk uh, in in one session maybe or off about this type of like conversations but psychology and money mindset is another big topic that nowadays um practice and experience shows that are the important part of handling your money
0: yeah i'm glad they added that i didn't i didn't know that i just and found out from you, so I'm actually kind of excited to read what what they've put into it. That will be I mean, a, I'm curious yeah. what they've what. So when you took the test, it wasn't in there either.
1: It was not in there, no. And there was conversations. I believe at that time, the, the board was talking about it because there is a great book, by the way, psychology, not psychology of money, but it's psychology, and uh, it 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 published by. Wiley, I believe, but it is mm-hmm. uh, after it's from uh, CFP board certified. And it's all like different research from different books. Think uh, slow, think fast, this approach, you know. But there is a book that CFP board published years and years ago. So I already kind of had the feeling that they are pushing uh, psychology, money psychology more towards the practices, you know, which is, in my opinion, is good thing to do so we need to approach it with behavior yes talk about behavior we need to open about talking money that that that's my point you know you need to be able to uh, openly discussing money we need money in every cultures you go back like they always use the money now human's mind became so creative they created all these cryptocurrencies and different way of paying. but money itself is not way of uh, getting rich if you have lots of money you need to do something with that money you need to put to work that money rich people will not keep lots of saving they will keep enough again for emergencies to have some cash for opportunities that will come out during the recession but the rest is already invested so money Mm -hmm. is always working you know doing something for you because you work hard for that money
0: i agree and then i think we, going back to what you said before that, we need to normalize having conversations with our family about money. So, I mean, I, I'm a little bit of an outlier because money has always been a conversation in our family. It's, it's, it's always been a dinner table talk. And now that my, my parents are clients, it's it's a very common conversation that we have. But I've found with clients, most people have no idea what their parents have saved for retirement, or if they're retired, what they have and what they're living on. Most people have no idea what their siblings have done. I mean, these are conversations that I know they might be uncomfortable. I have a lot of, um, I have several clients from Bosnia and they're just like, no, 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 no. In our culture, you do not talk about that. You could try, you could try. I, no, um, I mean, especially in, in speaking of the Bosnian culture, it's, it's incorrect me. Are, are you from, Bo- are you Bosnian?
1: I'm Armenian, but I know exactly oh, Bosnian. It was, it used to be Bosnia, Herzegovina. So yeah, I know the area. So in from the Armenian. culture,
0: from what I understand is the parents live with you.
1: Oh yes. Oh, the same comes to Armenian culture.
0: Right. I live with my so parents. That, I mean, that conversation is so, I mean, that's huge. You, that's a huge conversation is, you guys should be having.
1: There, there is again famous, like, I, I believe Oprah asking some Indian, like very famous actress and actor, they are married together, like, hey, we, we know that in your culture, you live with parents. And this guy turns towards Oprah and like, whom you live with, <laughs> because like, there is no other option for us. And if you are the first person in your generation, in your family, that you will change the mindset about money, I will encourage our listeners to be that person.
0: Be it. Today is the day. It's so important because (laughs) what you don't want to do, it happens in our world in general. And maybe, maybe it's our country or just North America, but people are living longer, but they are not living necessarily better. And that means that you're just extending the amount of time that you need to have money. No longer are people dying on average at 86. I mean, it's increasing every year, and if your family hasn't saved, and I, and I get the question, gosh, if I hear this one more time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot myself in the face. I hear people say, people who come in, they're talking about their parents or their siblings. Well, you know, that's their problem. They, did, if they didn't save, that's, that's not my responsibility to take care of them. You're telling me if your parents or your mom or your dad have nothing, you're just going to let them go stay at a homeless shelter or put them in some really crappy Medicare facility that treats them like crap? You will not. You will not. What you will do because you decided not to save because it wasn't your responsibility is you will destroy your financial plan that you've been correctly saving for to help them. And now, No one's in a better situation. That's why these conversations are so important. To give you a benchmark, my grandmother is in a pretty nice place where it's assisted living facility. It's nothing super special. I mean, she gets her meals included. I mean, there's a little retention pond with turtles in it that she throws bread into. It's still a miserable existence. You're surrounded by death. She pays $6,000 a month.
1: We should- We should, uh, we should talk and uh, maybe even we can do Instagram live or something. I know we, uh, we did back and forth messages about when the kids will start investing and that's very good topic for kids to learn about money, not necessarily investing, but learn about money just to have their checking account, know how money works. And also we can have a conversation one time about long-term care, very important subject but people don't pay attention. I know life insurance is important as well in certain situations that will be important, but now there are certain, and insurance is in simple words, it's a contract. You just need to read the contract. Do you you agree with the terms of the contract? Any insurance is a contract. So if you go to Geico and you ask to give you insurance, any type of insurance, they will just give you a contract. And then the other insurance company will give you a contract. So there are certain contracts now, that they are combining kind of long term um, care with um, life insurance, like that in, when it comes to their benefits and all these different things. And I don't want to complicate our listeners, but I want for them to start thinking at least do the simple part so one day you will get introduced to more complex financial issues. But keep in your mind, everything is simple, not necessarily easy, but it's simple.
0: Mm-hmm. As simple as you make it.
1: Simple.
0: And Ohan, I'm so happy that you joined us tonight. What is the best way for people to connect with you?
1: Kendall? thank you for the opportunity again. Not 100%, but 80% whatever we discuss here, our listeners can find at www.ohanthemoneydoctor.com, which is my webpage. I publish regular guides and the, the one that i published now it's called wealth roadmap they can download it for free free, free. <laughs> free literally F-R-E-E. When I make... f-r-e-e and they can download it and they can start their wealth building journey on social media i go by ohan the money doctor it can be instagram TikTok. you can co- co- connect with my name ohan gaikchan chan or also Ohan the money doctor on linkedin Facebook and uh, soon YouTube coming as well.
0: Good for you. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later and I hope you have a good night.
1: You as well. Everyone,
0: that was another episode of Failure Friday. Thank you so much for joining us and for supporting the cause here. If you would like to be a guest like Ohan was tonight, you can ask via DM, you can hit me up on Facebook, you can comment, we'll send you a survey to see if you're a good fit. thank you guys for the love and the engagement. Have a good night until next time.